the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Welcome, Arizona Cardinals fans, to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. I'm your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site. And this is, well, we're not going to number this episode um, because I don't know in what order it's going to get released. It is one of the 14 opponent preview shows that we're doing this year, as we've done the past two or three years. And we have a return guest, uh, Alyssa Barbieri, the... She's got two roles. One, she's managing editor of Bears Wire. She she came on a couple years ago. I think it was three years ago when the Cardinals played the the Bears the last time. But she has a new title, which makes her my boss as the senior editor of the NFL Wire site. So she not only is a colleague, but I guess we we could we could make this the performance review if we wanted to as well. <laughs> The Cardinals play the Bears this year on Christmas Eve on the road in Week 16. Alyssa, welcome to the show again. Thanks for how how are things going across the wire and, and over there at Bears Wire? Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, as you know, this is kind of like our our down period. This is like the deadest it's going to be. It's yes. like a nice time to take a step back and like not be terrified to get in your car. And something's going to happen because, like, that's like a real fear of mine. <laughs> Anytime I have to go out, DeAndre Hopkins got released when I was <laughs> when I was taking books to a used bookstore to sell. I'm like, oh man, why? It was before. It was like the Friday before Memorial Day. I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> yeah, Roquan Smith got traded when I was in the turn lane going to the store, and so I had like two minutes, and I. <laughs> David Johnson's contract extension came (laughs) on a college football Saturday. I was out to lunch before an ASU gap season tickets to Arizona State. But on a Saturday afternoon contract extension news, why in the world would they do that? I don't know. I don't know. But That's why the Friday news dump exists. Like, we expect it. <laughs> We're waiting for it. Yes. But not Saturday afternoon. No. <laughs> Getting ready That's a day of for- rest for NFL people. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, welcome to the show. Uh, the Cardinals and the Bears were in a bad place a year ago. In fact, I, oh, I will say this, though, the Bears, I don't know how the, I don't know how the Colts, actually, I don't know how the how the the bears managed to end up with the number one pick because I just, yeah, it didn't make any sense at all. And the, <laughs> you know, they, they, they got number one pick after week 17 because the Colts are bad. The Texans, the Texans messed it up. Like they were going on and it was almost like Lovey Smith former Bears coach, <laughs> was giving a final F you to the Texans. And Once losing. a bear, always a bear. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's look back on last season. We'll just take a kind of timeline, uh, 2022 season, how things went, uh, off season, then outlook for this coming season. So 2022 was a bad one, 3-14. and 14. Uh, Worse than the Cardinals, with the caveat that the Cardinals were supposed to be better. Uh, what were how what was the how did 2022 go in terms of level expectation going into last season? 
Yeah, you know, going into last season, I think, you know, expectations were pretty low considering, you know, they had an, uh, a, that, you know, you brought in Ryan Poles and he completely tore down the roster. It was a true rebuild, which is something that the Bears hadn't had. Like when Ryan Pace was here, he kept kind of, you know, signing aging veterans, pushing money to the future. And Ryan Poles is like, well, I, if I'm going to build this team my way, I got to tear it all down to the bones first and then start building it up. And he knew that it was going to take a few years. So I don't think we expected much going into last season, but also didn't think it would be a three-win season, including a 10-game losing streak to close the year out and landing the number one pick. Thank you, Lovey. So, I mean, it, it was rough last season, but the emergence of Justin Fields was something that I think that carried the Bears fandom because it was brutal. But just kind of watching him starting to come into his own and knowing, you know, that his ceiling is so much higher, you know, obviously heading into this season it was something really exciting. But, I mean, the defense was abysmal. Uh, and for Matt Eberflus, I mean, I, I think that he expected that coming in because, you know, you have this roster where, you know, they traded or cut, you know, got a rid got rid of a lot of these big contracts, these aging veterans. So you had a lot of young guys. And they, I believe the Bears had uh, the most rookie minutes played last season, which is not surprising whether it was draft picks. There was a lot of undrafted free agents that got a lot of playing time injuries to some key veterans helped with that. But I mean, it was it was brutal on the defense because there was that one stretch where Fields like really was like, oh, man, man, my legs are no one can catch me. And they were at the Bears are averaging like 30 points a game through three games. They lost all three. I mean, because that defense was just <laughs> that bad. Um, and obviously the passing, the passing offense blew. Uh, but the run rushing offense, I think it was number one for most of, if not the entire year. So, I mean, there were there were bright spots, but it, it, it was brutal. But it was nice to come out of that with that top pick. What was that game? I think it was a Thursday night game. It was it was a the game Commanders. Was, oh my God. How how did they lose that game? <laughs> I do not. That know. was a brutal one. <laughs> I re- I watched that game. It was like Justin Fields is doing everything right and. They still can't win. Just everything went wrong in that game. Yeah, I look back at that game. I think that was the turning point for him. Because even at that point, you know, he was still having his struggles there. I mean, you know, getting... That was his second offense in as many years since coming to the NFL, learning Luke Getzi's offense. And just, like, nothing seemed to be clicking. And it just felt like when Darnell Mooney dropped that touchdown that, you know, would have t- won the game or it was just, it's like, oh man, this is, this is pretty low. <laughs> um, so it, it, it was brutal. And he was like, I'm tired of like that post-game presser. He was like, I'm tired of being close, uh, close. You know, we want to get there. Like you could tell he was frustrated. And I really think that kind of helped him and the team. I mean, the, the one thing I will say about the team last year, despite them obviously only winning three games was, with that roster and and the fact that they were that they lost 10 games in a row i think all but the final lions game they were in those games they were competitive matt eberflus kept these guys competitive and they gave some of the top teams in the league a run for their money and that honestly the way you described that bears team a year ago is seems very familiar to what the cardinals are doing this year new general manager monty austin ford has torn the roster down i i don't like i hate when they use the word when people use the word tank um, because it's not like they're trying to lose. They're just trying to put together a team that they want. And and now while I personally, like people expect a, th- a three-win season for the Cardinals, I think it'll be a little bit better because I think once Kyler Murray comes back, he's further along in his, in his development than Justin Fields. Um, and so I think where Fields was still feeling things out, I think Murray can lead them to to a better season. But 
it is sort of the same same process, and that leads us to what's what's next. So the off season coming up next on the Rise Up Sierra podcast, Mister Cardinals talk with them. Let's move to the off season, and what do they do in free agency? What do they do in the draft? That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Still on the on the show with Alyssa Barbieri, Bears Wire managing editor, and my boss, uh, the senior editor for the NFL Wire sites. Um, after a three and fourteen season, obviously the 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 big move was the was the trading out of the number one pick and moving back. Um, but uh, we're, we'll talk free agency first. Um, what were the impact moves that Chicago made? Um, in terms of losses and in terms of gains. Yeah, when you look at, you know, who they lost, I think David Montgomery was the biggest. And, I mean, kind of looking at what happened last season, Khalil Herbert, you know, was a much better fit in Lugetzi's system. He averaged 5.7 yards per carry in a limited role, and you really – you know, the Bears want to see what he can do in a full-time role or extended role, at least, because there's still going to be a running back by committee group. But, I mean, the loss of Montgomery, they tried to re-sign him, but, you know, they weren't going to pay what the Lions were going to be. So that was kind of, you know, quick to move off of. But he was their main guy. I mean, there were some other losses like Nicholas Morrow at linebacker. And obviously, we saw how the Bears address linebackers. So, I mean, getting Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, I mean, just Ryan Poles completely overhauled that that linebacker group from one of the worst to one to one of the best in the league. Now, so, I the, mean, it was an interesting thing from the outside because what they didn't want to pay Roquan Smith. And so they, they, they sent it to Baltimore only to then did it did, did roughly pay two guys what they would have paid Roquan? Yeah, when you when you get like, you know, and you figure that out because of the upfront money and all that with with Edmonds cuz Edmonds got paid. But like when you kind of look back Edwards at it, Edwards was a you know, fantastic deal. He oh, he played extremely well and he and I thought he was going to get much more money than he did. Oh my gosh, that was a steal. I'm like, wait, that's it? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I can do it. Um, but when you kind of look at like them letting, you know, trading Roquan, I mean, he, I think Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds is a much better fit in Matt Eberflus' system. I think that you're starting to see how Poles and Eberflus are building this roster together, like what fits your scheme, what, you know, what players are going to be the best fits. Same with letting Montgomery go, Khalil Herbert, you know, adding Dante, Dante Foreman. And I know we're getting to the draft, drafting Roshan Johnson, like they're trying to find better fits for these systems. So, I mean, Roquan top linebacker in the league. I've been telling everybody that. And now that he's on the Ravens, he's finally getting the recognition. So good for you, bro. But I mean, I just think it came down to to scheme fit. And like you said, I mean, when it comes down to it and you break the money down, I mean, they got two for one there. So, and I think that that group is going to be huge for this defense. Uh, who are the, and any other big time additions or, or major contributors that you're expecting to get out of the, their new additions? Um, when looking on defense, that's going to be interesting, free agent speaking. I mean, the only guy they retained along the interior of the defensive line was Justin Jones at the three-tech spot. But I think Andrew Billings is a mountain of a man. Like, I'm looking at pictures of him, and I'm like, my goodness, no, he's clogging up those run holes. So, I mean, I'm good with that. I think he's going to be a really big contributor, really underrated uh, contributor for that defense and kind of looking there. And I mean, on offense, I think a big one was getting Nate Davis uh, at right guard because that offensive line putrid last season when it came to pass protection. They were better, much better against the run. But when you're when you're Justin Fields and you're sacked 55 times in 15 games, he didn't even play a full season, like 55 times the most in 15 games. I mean, the offensive line was going to be a big focus. They shifted a lot of people. Tevin Jenkins went from right guard to left guard because Nate Davis coming in. So. 
I think that that was the big uh, real addition on offense. Let's look at the draft then. They made the big move moving back to number nine and then moved back to another pick to number 10 when the uh, which was an interesting move because pretty much it felt like if Jalen Carter was on the board, the Bears were going to take him. And they instead um, made the trade with the with the Eagles and then moved back one spot. Now, now we go across one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. What is that? Ten picks they made in the in the draft. That's a heavy draft class. Um, but the big name obviously is at number ten. Uh, Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. Um, some would say m- probably is just the absolute best pass protector in the entire draft because he went into last season, he faced the best pass rushers in college football and stonewalled them. Is he going to, are they putting him right into left tackle as a rookie? Yeah, he's an immediate plug-and-play guy, and they, they got their top tackle in the draft. They wanted someone because they decided to go to move forward with Braxton Jones at left tackle. So they went out and got the best pure right tackle in the draft in Darnell Bray. And again, pass protection being uh, a focal point this season when you got to give Justin Fields time. You cannot say that they're not building around Fields this offseason when you see all the moves that they've made. And they're going to give him time to, to be upright and not have to run for his life this season. But yeah, Wright is going to, he's already been working with the first team during the entire offseason. He's going to be there starting at right tackle immediately. And he's going to be a big part of shoring down that new look right side of the offensive line. And then you go around two. So they had two third round picks where they take Gervin Dexter, uh, big athletic defensive tackle out of Florida, Tyrek Stevenson out of Miami, a cornerback. Then in round three, they go interior Zach Pickens, uh, uh, a guy I liked, Roshan Johnson, uh, the Texas running back that no one talks about because it was all about B. John Robinson. Then they go Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati, Noah Sewell out of Oregon, linebacker, Terrell Smith, cornerback out of Minnesota, Travis Bell, uh, was that Kent State? This is where my reading glasses need to come in. Uh, and then Stanford defensive back, uh, Kendall Willing- Ken- is that Kendall Williamson? Williamson. Of those 10 players, who are your favorites to contribute in year one? Oh, man. There, there's a lot because you, you look at Ryan Poles and what he said immediately when he came is that he's he's going to build through the draft and you saw it immediately last season, how much the rookies contributed. I think we're going to see another big year from this rookie group. I think Darnell Wright, obviously is is the best option because, you know, he's going to be starting immediately there at right tackle. But I think Javon Dexter is someone that stood out a lot uh, this off season so far. He just, I mean, cause there are, you know, there are mixed reviews about him from scouts, you know, coming out in terms of like his motor and like, you know, his get off. And, you know, that's something that he has, uh, adjusted in the offseason they're seeing a different player he just looks he he's for someone so big if he's 300 plus pounds he moves so quickly I think that he may not start immediately as a rookie he's going to be rotating along with Zach Pickens uh, with Justin Jones and Andrew Billings but I think that he's going to have a big year I think he'll definitely prove to be a starter by the end of the year Tyreek Stevenson's going to start immediately at cornerback on the outside opposite Jalen Johnson. Kyler Gordon's going into the slot now. So, you know, Tyreek's going to be in there right from the beginning. I think he's going to be good. He's someone that people are underlooking. I mean, this this class is loaded with some some underlooked players. I think Roshan Johnson, 
I think he really has an opportunity to, to carve out a role as a long-term starter uh, down the line at some point this season. Because when you look at him and you look at the rest of the running back room, Khalil Herbert, Dante Foreman, you know, aside from running, you know, rushing, they don't, they lack the pass blocking and the pass catching ability that Roshan has. And that's also something that the Bears lost with David Montgomery. So I think that Roshan can come in immediately and really challenge for more reps. Tyler Scott's going to get plenty of looks. I mean, Noah Sewell is going to be challenging for that Sam linebacker spot with Jack, with Jack Sanborn. I mean, I think Terrell Smith too is someone down the line, maybe not immediately, because you kind of look at the Bears cornerback group, I think that he's someone that could prove to be really valuable down the line. They, they have a strong group uh, of rookies, I think, that could see a lot of playing time this year. We didn't even talk about what was the actually probably the biggest addition, and that wasn't through the draft or free well, agency. technically. But, but it was draft-related, <laughs> and that's the addition of DJ Moore. How impactful is his addition? And, and was, was he essentially part of, like, hit had to to trade out of the number one pick, not only did they have to acquire picks, but they needed a, an, an impact player. Oh, absolutely. I think when you look at the trade for DJ Moore, that's the biggest move of the offseason because Justin Fields, you need to figure out if he's the guy this year. And you do that by doing what they didn't do the first couple of years, which is building around him. I mean, his offensive line for his first two years has been just very disappointing. He hasn't really had the playmakers around him. And DJ Moore is just, I mean, people don't talk a lot about him because he was in Carolina and he's playing with some of these subpar quarterbacks, but you know what he was able to accomplish in his first five seasons, he already had three 1000 yard seasons with some pretty, you know, low, you know, poor quarterback play. So, I mean, that move, I mean, he's a draft pick essentially, right? You traded right. the number one pick for him. So he's an additional draft pick that you get this year. Cardinals have and done that over you, the years. You know, I love yeah. our second round draft pick DeAndre Hopkins. We like our second round draft pick Chandler Jones. That that was that was Steve Kimes joke every year that said, it's not technically a draft pick, but it was an acquisition through draft capital. That said, you know, if you look at Kyler Murray got DeAndre Hopkins, Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs, uh, Joe Burrow got Jamar Chase. So you take those guys away, and, and we saw what Josh Allen looked like before Stephon Diggs. It was erratic. Um, and so giving him a big-time playmaker, how, how impactful is that? Come on. And then you go Jalen Hurts this past year with A.J. Brown and, and how much the passing game improved there. Yeah, exactly. I think that, you know, this, I mean, D.J. Moore gives – Justin Fields, a number one receiver he hasn't had since Ohio State. And, and it's crazy because obviously Fields is known for his ability to, to run. He is, I mean, elite athleticism. It's incredible what he can do. But people also forget that he didn't really utilize that a lot in college because he was more known for throwing the deep ball and his deep ball accuracy. And that's something that, you know, it's still there, but he kind of needs some, you know, some help around him at the NFL level. And I think getting DJ Moore is going to not only help Fields, but it's going to help the rest of the receiving core around him. Darnell Mooney, he thrived in the wide receiver two role when Allen Robinson was here. He's coming back from injury. I think he's going to have a big year. Chase Claypool is also going to benefit from his addition. And it, it's really alarming how quickly that Fields uh, and, and Moore have developed this chemistry. And, you know, listening to people watching DJ Moore during the offseason they're just like, wow, we haven't seen someone here like that before and how he's already impacting, you know, the receiver room, you know, the chemistry with him and Fields and just how impressive that is. I'm just super excited to see it on the field in live action. Um, I, I think it's going to be huge. I think now at this point, there's no more excuses for Fields. And I think this is the point we wanted to get to 
because you it's hard to evaluate him after the first two seasons and everything that had been going on. But now, here you go. You're going to see what, what he's all about. And I think that he's going to take a big step forward in the passing game. You know, you know I don't want to compare him to Jalen Hurts specifically, but, I mean, when you look at, like you mentioned, all these young quarterbacks finally getting that, that number one receiver and how it helps them in their development and helps them really open it up in the passing game, I think, I think that people are going to be surprised this year with what Fields can do. And with that, coming to next on the Rise of Red podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's look ahead to the 2023 season, outlook, expectations, and more. That's coming to next on Rise of Red. We're back on the Rise of Red podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. Still talking to Alyssa Barbieri, Bears Wire, uh, managing editor, also senior editor at the NFL Wire sites for USA Today. Um, looking ahead to 2023, they've built around Justin Fields. What are then the expectations for the 2023 season what do the what are what what are the high-end like I like talking about high-end reasonable and then the floor what are high-end expectations for this team yeah I think high-end expectations you are competing for a wild card spot and you're making it as a wild card spot uh winning 10 games I mean I feel like that would kind of be the high point of the ceiling you know, when you kind of look at how much this roster has been overhauled, not only on offense, but on defense. And the one thing that just really stood out from last year was how competitive that the Bears were with an underwhelming roster and how Matt Eberflus and this culture has really, you know, shaped how these guys play. And I think that if that's what he was able to get out of that group, I think that he definitely that they could push 10 wins, at, you know, for a really high ceiling. Right. Um, but I think more reasonable expectations, I'm expecting like eight wins, maybe nine, kind of similar to what the Lions were able to do last year, where you're in the conversation, you should be contending, but you don't necessarily get there because you're still a year away. I think that's the most reasonable. Um, and as far as the floor, I mean, I don't think they're going to win three games again. I mean, that was that was pretty hard, but I'd probably say about like five. Like so, five wins would that, kind of be the floor. And that's assuming that I always say that the, what's their floor? What's the worst case scenario? Barring, look, not, that's not Justin Fields getting hurt or anything, but like just we're not yeah. like the worst case scenario of how they play on the field. So you see some improvement, but a little bit. But reasonable expectations were they're playing meaningful football up through the first week of January, right? So up until the yes. end of the season, they're playing meaningful football and they're in the conversation, even if they're outside like on the outside looking in the whole time that's being in the mix and you know people say we should fetch it up by expectation actually all that really matters as fans can you have a team worth watching through the end of the season <laughs> other than like like are you watching because they're competitive or are you watching because come on let's lose Let's get this draft. A number one pick. Number one that, pick. That's how Bears fans were last year. Like the last <laughs> few games when it's like, oh, wait, this is attainable? Wait, hold on a second. And it's like, do we really want them to beat the Packers? Like, you know, when you're getting towards the end, it's like, okay, this is Aaron Rodgers last year. Uh, let's get that number one pick. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, but that, that's interesting. Now, as as Bear fa Bears fans look at their schedule and they see the Cardinals at home week 16 Christmas Eve, what is sort of the the view of that game? Is that a, yeah, we're definitely winning that game? Is it a likely win, or is it going to be a battle-type game? 
I mean, it depends too on you know Kyler Kyler Murray's status. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Obviously, if he how quickly he comes back, if he's playing in that game, you know, I'm not sure of you know his rehab time and when he's expected, when he's you know going to be 100 percent because he's always a threat. You know, just like Justin Fields. I mean, you can't. It's really difficult to game plan for him. I mean, I would say. I mean, given current expectations, I think I would lean more towards a likely win. I mean, it'll be in Chicago in the cold. I mean, that's also an element, right? So, I mean, I'll, I'll say likely win. I'm not going to – I would never say it's a guaranteed win because, I mean, the Bears had the worst right. record in the league last year, and they <laughs> right, got to right, prove right. themselves. Well, and, <laughs> so. Although, for, for our perspective, uh, now I expect Kyler to be playing and, and playing his best ball by, by that time um, after his injury because, you know, he's not going to be back week one. But I think somewhere, I think it'll be about week six. I think it'll be about week six. And so he'll have been able to to play most of the season, uh, get his legs back under him. And honestly, like the, I, I know the Cardinals have low expectations, but the Bears game is one of the games that we look at as a winnable game. Like, like as the actual winnable game. There's There's like four or five winnable games. There's like five no chance games. And then a handful of, well... Maybe, <laughs> but yeah, so we look at that end of the, and, and I think that honestly, that game will be a good measuring stick of both teams, um, for different reasons. Uh, the bears maintaining being in the conversation and then the Cardinals for what they're moving towards, because I think I have the Cardinals personally winning six, seven wins, having six, seven win, some wins. And, and that is on the more optimistic side, but if you're if you're thinking about what the what they're trying to work toward, if they're playing games at the end of the year competitively and can steal a, a win or two in there, that is kind of what they're building for. For Bears fans, it's maintaining part of the conversation late in the year, maintaining you know being in the mix. And the Cardinals, it's about getting toward being in the mix because I think the Cardinals will be. I mean, uh, I have them starting out like one and two and seven and then going and then then going up and going five and five and three i think after the final final eight games and that's because they do have games they've got they've got the bears they've got the falcons they got the texans in the second half of the season those are three win like even if the cardinals are bad they're three winnable games on paper at least but, but then we come back to that tanking conversation. If that number one pick is in sight, what do you do? Uh, I don't think Jonathan Gannon is talking <laughs> about the first pick overall. I think the GM is putting them in position <laughs> to maybe, but, you know, I think they they have their eyes. And it's it's not like the team is actively trying to lose. They just want to win with different players. <laughs> and knowing that there's going to be struggles. Like the Cardinals defense, garbage. Like on town, the defensive line you've never heard of, you might, might have heard of one of them in Carlos Watkins. And he's the most accomplished defensive lineman on that entire unit. And he's a journeyman at best. Uh, so, yeah. So you're, so you're like a much more talented Bears last year. I, I think so. I think that's kind of where it, I think what it is. And yeah. you've got slightly more talent and a quarterback that's farther along in his development. Which is yeah. why I I, I, ho- I hope that it's not like the bear season. That's what most nationally the Cardinals are being viewed as that they're going to have that type of season. But I think it's going to be a little bit better because their roster is slightly more talented than Bears a year ago, and Kyler Murray, a healthy Kyler Murray, is farther along than Justin Fields, e- even though they yeah. might have the same type of ceiling. So, but yeah, so 
Winnable game for you guys, winnable game for us. Probably a more necessary win for the Bears at that point in the year than, than the Cardinals, but and will be a good measuring stick of, of, of things moving forward. But yeah. yeah, we'll see. I still have flashbacks to the last time they played and Andy Dalton was in there and it was just like, Well, here's the thing. I'm sad because the Cardinals four straight years have faced Andy Dalton on a different team. And beat their oh, no. they went four and zero against Andy Dalton, who was yeah. So and every single time it was the Saints last year, there was the Bears before that, it was the Cowboys before that, and it was the I think it was the it was whatever team was before the Cowboys. But they beat him four straight years. Oh wow! Do they play the Panthers? <laughs> no, they don't play the Panthers. Oh okay. I was gonna say if you caught a week one, maybe if they're not starting Bryce Young, but I still think they're gonna go. With like, Bryce, that's the thing. But... When you say with the Panthers, are like, dang it, we're not gonna get the win against Andy Dalton. <laughs> But yeah, so. Oh man, hey, maybe Justin can make it one and zero. Let's go. <laughs> All right, well, well, thank you, Alyssa, for for your time. It's fantastic. Get to talk Bears, Kentucky Bears, Cardinals. Um, but that will wrap up this edition of the Rise Up Secret Podcast. You can find Alyssa's work on BearsWire.com. Alyssa, where else can they find your work? Or, or uh, I don't, I know, I when I get asked this on podcast, I'm like, your listeners aren't going to go look for Cardinals content. But, <laughs> but in case they do, where, where they can they find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at uh, on Twitter at Alyssa Barbieri, and I post all my stuff over there. Uh, Have you moved to threads yet? Yeah. I, I I did. I it, created it's a, a lot account. to I juggle too. I didn't realize. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting tired of doing both. Can we have like an app where it does both at the same time? That would be incredible. Right, right, right. True anthem, maybe. True anthem. Oh yeah, I was thinking that. I'm, I'm like, I don't know what true anthem's doing it though. I'm like, darn. All right. Thank you so much, Alyssa. That'll wrap up this edition of the show. We'll have another show with another opponent preview coming probably in the next day or two. Thanks for listening. That'll wrap up this edition of the show. Thank you for listening in as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.